This is the Heath in Pursuit podcast with Heath Hollandsby. Each week we'll have a conversation with various folks who are actively engaged in the pursuit of truth. This is a show where anything can be discussed and probably will. A podcast for the seekers, the dreamers, the restless, the hurt and the broken. This is a podcast for you. Welcome to Heath in Pursuit. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of Heath in Pursuit. I'm Heath Hollinsby, and I will be the host for this show. And I got a cool, well, before we get into the podcast today, as I've been sharing recently, there's some fun things that I've been doing and working on. And one of them is this killer one hour, one man show that I put on called Our Playful Universe. And we talk about the universe and the subatomic world and hierarchy and holism and who we are and deconstruction and reconstruction and... It's a really fun like TED Talk on steroids. And so I've been doing a few of those uh, around America, and I've done them in like Colombia, the, the country, and would love to do that for you if you're interested in uh, having me come out and maybe do that performance for you. Um, just hit me up at heathhollandsby.com or heathandpursuit.com. That'll get you the same place. And if you haven't yet left a review on the show, that would be really sweet because this is this takes some work and some energy and... One of the nice ways to just pay me back is just leaving a, a review, as many stars as you're willing to give, and um, and a nice comment. And what Apple does is they look at that and go, well, we'll put this into the ears of people that like common interests. And so that helps get the show out, which gives me energy to keep working on the show. And so if you haven't yet left a review, please, 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 that could be my Christmas gift from you to me. And um, all right, so today... I've got Stephanie Turbyfield here, and Stephanie is the spouse of William Turbyfield, who was the first guest ever on Heath and Pursuit, I think episode two, and uh, if you haven't listened to that one yet, what a killer conversation. I actually was talking to William the other day, I was like, I need to get you back on the show, and he's like, I don't have anything to say right now, so once he has something to say, I will bring him back on the show, but um, yeah, his, his spouse is here, Stephanie, and uh, I mean, I've known Stephanie for a few years, and always appreciated her, and I was going through this season where I was getting some amazing massage. She's a massage therapist and was doing some really killer work and kind of taught me how to take better care of myself. And I thought, why don't we have her on to talk about the body and how to listen to your body and some self-care stuff. And so uh, that's what we're going to talk about today. So Stephanie, welcome. Hello. Thank you. Good to be in the same room with you. I know. It's nice. It's been a, it's been a minute. Been a chunk of time. (laughs) Because there's this thing called COVID that has <laughs> knocked us all out for yeah. a while. Changed my life rather dramatically <laughs> in the last couple of years. Yeah. It's, and it's not like, I think everyone's kind of resolving at this point not to like wait for us to get back to somewhere. It's like, no, we've been dismantled. Well, and- I mean, it is, pro- it is part of what we're going to be talking about. But um, I was planning on being a massage therapist for a good 10, 15 years. And now yeah. I'm taking a hard left or right, whatever, whichever oh. way you want to turn, I'm taking it. <laughs> You're going uh, for it. Yeah. So um, partially because of COVID and then partially because of other stuff we'll be talking about today. Yeah. Um, just because masks do really change things hmm. and are affecting kind of my personal body. And I don't think it would be self-care, good self-care yeah. for me to continue pouring myself into massage therapy specifically. So what I'm actually wow. planning on doing is picking up and getting trained in doing animal massage therapy. So I'll be doing oh, wow. dogs and horses. That's the plan. We'll see how it actually works out because, you know, life likes to not go as planned. Yeah, exactly. I so mean, is we'll it see. kind of like a, 
is that a new world or is it like no nah, i mean mm, horses no. have legs and yeah. so do humans yeah. and... it's been around for i mean it's just it, it is its own world okay you know um especially when you get into the uh, high-end horses sure like yes that's where you find like i'm sure tracks have their own massage therapist you know wow. and that sort of thing so um but it's also just for seniors and then there's just dog therapy places like i'm moving down to reno and the i've already found a, a holistic animal place that they do four different kinds of dog therapies oh, like wow. like you know, there are dog and animal PT offices and that, that sort of wild. thing. So, um, so we'll see, like once yeah. again, I don't know, but I've done animal stuff throughout the years. Like I yeah, used yeah. to train horses and I've done multiple and dog care jobs. So it's not a huge jump for me. And they so, don't whine as much as humans. And so. I probably won't have to wear a mask as much and yeah. you know, all that kind of stuff because I have, um, once again, we'll get into this later, but I have like TMJ issues and stuff. Hmm. And so part of the last couple of years has been trying to figure out if I can be in what, cause the, the massage I do is medically minded. Okay. And so can I be in a medical field if I have to wear this gear on me? I've yeah. really had to consider it and good see question. if it's something that I can actually work through. Some of my, some of my coworkers are fine. You know, yeah. I, yeah. one of my coworkers uh, did tons of drama in high school. And so she can work in an N95 and has absolutely no problems. Because I honestly think her diaphragm and her lungs are just used to like, you know, that kind that of work. Output. But um, I have um, some dysfunctions in my rib cage and, and that kind of stuff. Huh. And so it just really... It it's not compatible for me. So I get after that. a lot of thought, yeah. um, what I decided that, that it needed to change. So, and then that's why wow. we're moving because Reno has more opportunity for us. So yeah. The beautiful land of Nevada. So, but yeah, so this started though, um, my own personal journey with listening to the body, um, which has basically been my massage therapy career. Like that's mm. one of the reasons why I'm so thankful for massage personally in my life, because it taught me how to care for myself and, mm when I was in an area where I didn't even realize I wasn't, yeah. which I think most of us are. Yeah, most of us sure. don't even realize we don't know how to care for ourselves until we're kind of woken up from that. So, and my body literally had to like, not shut down, but, um, huh. um, so. Yeah, tell us this story. Yeah, this is crazy. so let's see. Let's start back in actually right before, this will just be like pretty much the whole journey of me living in Tacoma. Um, I moved, I was living in Portland eight years ago. Um, and I was in the worst depression of my life. Hmm. Um, that was probably when I would say I lost God. I put, oh, I'll put quotes around that for um, the listeners. Yeah. Um, and uh, or lost my faith, or however you want to put it. Um, and then I decided to move up here. Um, and then that's when William and I, my now husband, yeah. you, um, that's when we met. And so. Um, and I can honestly say that the unconditional love that he gave me and has continued to give me yeah. is a huge part of what gave me the space mm. to really just be myself and yeah. be whoever I was in whatever moment that I was. Yeah. And I didn't have um, that around me at the time. And it was really important, you know, because sure. I, I had lost a lot of um, my old support system and stuff like that. That's fascinating. Anyways, so that was probably the first big chunk. Um, mm. And then, um, so we met, got engaged. Um, 
I started gaining weight. Oh, I was drink. I, I was drinking very heavily, hmm. basically drinking myself to sleep every night for a couple of years. Was that stemming from that depression? Uh, it started, um, yeah, uh, yeah, kind of just everything. Okay. You know, I might like I'll say, you know, it's just it's that rock bottom where yeah. we all just find ourselves and our whatever expectations we had fell apart. Yeah, you know, whatever whatever it is that is your biggest heartbreak, that's where I was at. Yeah, and um, and I was just floundering really yeah. and um putting on a great show because sure. that's what you do yeah you have to yeah. i'm real good at i'm real good at trained to that and i'm mm. really good at being good yeah and showing people that i'm good sure and um you know and so um so i had been drinking uh myself to sleep starting in portland probably every night oh. and then um and that continued you know because you can hide that a lot especially while you're dating sure and, you know all that kind of stuff and and william didn't really um like did you see this as a problem at the time because i because i share a similar story working at the church i went to drinking i yeah i mean like you said you justify it to yourself sure i can say now that i was probably an alcoholic i also have um generations of addictive hmm. behavior in my background and sure. so that was probably playing a lot into it too, yep. which will also come up in the story. Um, so, but you know, even, yeah, so it was just, it got a little bit better after we got married. Cause mm. you know, then you're actually in the same room with a person all the time, sure. you know, cause we weren't living together before we got married. Yeah. Um, so it's like, but it was still a, probably a bottle of wine a night sure. and a lot of, drunks would probably say that's not very much but but for you it was a cut down from what i was drinking at yeah. the time you know what i mean so it's it's an interesting how you justify it to yourself and at the same time i was eating massive amounts of sugar i was eating mm. fast food which i hadn't eaten in years on a consistent basis like oh. it wasn't just the the alcohol yeah. it was the rest of my lifestyle yeah you can see it was unraveling yeah in and area. and you know this i I'll, I'll i'll mention this just because it's actually applicable to the story i'm five nine i'm probably I haven't weighed myself in forever but I'm somewhere around 150. Sure. At my highest, which was probably which was when I was in massage school about a year after we got married, okay. I hit I almost hit 120. Oh wow. And so I, it was about an 80 pound like yeah. a 70 80 pounds that I gained being an alcoholic eating sure. really shitty food. You know what I mean? Yep. Like so my depression was showing finally. Yeah. I had gained all this weight which I had also justified, you know, cuz sure. fat, fat and happy. You're yeah. just married, you know, it's like you're making all this good food, you know, all that kind of yeah. stuff. And so, you know, but it's still this underlying simmer and you're wanting to be happy. It's mm. like I met the man that I love and yeah. I still, you know, I still adore him, you know. He's it's, great. it's that sort of yeah. thing. So um, so it's like all this good stuff is happening and then you're also still just completely heartbroken, mm. you know, all the time. And, um, did you think that marriage was going to fix that? Like, n- I, no, okay. but cause a lot of people go into marriage going, man, maybe if I just have somebody, I mean, so we got married, was I 28 when we got married or when I met? No. I think I was somewhere 28, 29. So I was old enough by that time to know that a partner wasn't going to fix me. And I hadn't dated a lot. So it's not like I had like, you know, it's not like I was a girl who didn't know how to be alone. Sure. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I was real good at being alone and being single, (laughs) you know? So it's like, I knew that it was up to me to make myself happy kind of thing. But at the same time, I'm still finding, and this comes into the deconstruction realm, I'm still piecing out different things of stuff that I believe because I am a female who was raised under a Christian Mm. culture who is taught to an extent that you're always supposed to be under someone or something. Sure. And so there, I'm realizing now there was a lot of thought I had when I was growing up about, 
once I find my husband, once we start our life, it was always an us. It's like I had to be linked to someone. And I mean, that could very well be part of my own personality because I'm not a leader type. I do like being someone's right hand. Like Hmm. even in work, I like being someone's right hand, you know, so I, it might be partially personality too. So I don't know. Um, you know, and then, yeah, but I will say, so no, I, I don't like using words like, you know, William rescued me, Hmm. but I, just like I said, he gave, he loved, he, that's what love does. Yeah. Love gives you enough space to be authentic. Yeah. And that's what we need. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we need someone who's going to accept us in every moment. Sure. And that's what he does. So, um, mm. anyways, so even though I had that yeah. still, you know, and all this kind of stuff. And, um, the other thing that I've really learned about myself is I'm really actually not, I'm not very verbal. Hmm. It t- it's very hard for me to figure my own thoughts out a lot of times, which mm. could come from a lot of different things. Sure. Um, and William, as you know, is all about verbiage yeah. <laughs> and yeah. he loves to talk and he he will take a half an hour with me until we figure out what I mean. Yeah. And I needed that. Huh. Like I didn't even realize at the time how closed up I was and how I needed someone who would just ask me question after question after question, sure. never trying to overlay whatever he's trying to, f- like whatever he thinks I mean. Yeah. You know, like he's literally just mining it out of William you. is yeah. all about just questions. Yeah. He's way more concerned about questions than he is with answers, which is something that I didn't even know I needed in my life mm. at the time. Um, Anyway, so all of that. And then in the midst of all of this is when I just start, decided to be a massage therapist. Sure. Did you know? <laughs> because I'm 28. Yeah. And I need a vocation. And yeah. so it was between that and it was, I think you know the story. It was between that and um, vet tech. So okay. because of all of my experience with animals and stuff like that. And now and, maybe your future is the combo of both. May, it might yeah. be a combo of both. But um, vet tech was way more expensive, the schooling, and you make a lot less money. Really? And so it was a very practical decision, okay. you know. Um, and I didn't even realize how much it would change my life. So hmm. probably the first... Um, So to me and listening to your body and why we don't listen to our body is because we've all been through trauma Hmm. and trauma is stored in our body and it's not fun to sit with your trauma in your body. Yeah. And so we avoid it. But it humans. Yeah. That explains most of humanity in a nutshell. And so it's learning about to be with your trauma. And that's something that I and most of us have never done. And the, the thing that switched. So going to massage school, I was probably three quarters of the way through. Okay. Um, I had, I was trying to, I was, my body was heavy. I was, um, itchy all the time. Hmm. My skin like just, and when I would shower, it was worse. So it was like any time I had water put on me, I would get really itchy. It was almost like I was allergic to water. Like I kept thinking I was, I kept looking it up. Yeah. And, um, so like I said, my body pushed me into this because it was huh. like, you are treating me so poorly yeah. <laughs> that I'm literally going to shut down until you listen to me. Interesting. And, um, so yeah, so that was actually why I started smoking pot Okay. because <laughs> I was trying to find a solution. Sure. And, um, and that's when I found how much pot helps my ADD and my anxiety. Yeah. yeah. And, um, so then I started smoking a lot more pot and sure. that was actually what helped get me off of alcohol. because um, I went to the doctor, found out I have PCOS, which is polycystic ovarian syndrome, which is basically, this is great. This is is why you got to love it. (sighs) It's a set of symptoms that they have no idea why. 
But really, but there's just enough of these symptoms that enough women have that they're just going to call it a syndrome and oh, we're going to wow. try to figure out why the hell this is happening. I didn't know they can do that. They're yeah. just like, no, yeah. It's wow. like, oh, you fit in this category. So this is what you have. So huh. I'm, I consider I have like a medium case. They're like really bad cases, but okay. you basically, for whatever reason, we overproduce testosterone. Huh. And so it's why it's probably where bearded ladies come from. Oh, wow. Um, most that's like, that's the reigning theory because women with really bad PCOS can actually like grow a full beard. Sure. Um, it's probably why I have like a deeper voice than most girls. Huh. Um, I, and I do, I have like really dark hair. Like yeah. I have like guy like hair. Interesting. Um, it's probably why it's hard for me to lose weight sometimes. Like it's sugar really like your insulin gets really affected. So yeah. usually you've got some sort of diabetic or I was considered pre-diabetic okay. when I was diagnosed because I was so heavy at the time wow. because your, mot- your metabolism doesn't work right yeah um, something's off yeah because everything's off so huh. um so mine's not bad enough to be put on any kind of corrective medication okay um that's something they can fix though uh, not fix okay put in more balance sure i mean just that sort of thing um so so and that's what he said basically you need to lose weight and i knew i was drinking too much i knew sure. i was eating poorly i'm you know i was raised by um uh, my, my lovely hippie mom who <laughs> taught me how to take care of myself. So I knew all the stuff I yeah. was doing wrong. And I was so depressed at the time that I literally told myself, like, I can't even like fathom like mm. a big life change. Like, you know, cause that's yeah. big to change your whole diet. That's a big change, you know, sure. especially when you're in the, so I just cut everything in half. Mm. I didn't even, I'm like, I'm not even gonna worry about what I'm eating. I'm just gonna eat half of it. Huh. And that's where I started. And, wow. and then I had been starting smoking the pot, which yeah. was giving me, I could sit with my own brain, which mm. I, I couldn't, I like, that was, that's part of it. You're trying to keep yourself busy all the sure. time. So you're feeding yourself yeah. or keeping yourself busy in you know, whatever other way. And so it like that calmed my anxiety and brought my anxiety down to a level where I feel like I could actually start breathing and working through it. And what I know now is, um, my rib cage is actually super twisted really <laughs> and i don't breathe very well and so there's a lot of like fascial stuff going on huh. and so i was literally not breathing very well through the time through all of this too so is so, that was that like something that you were just born that way or is that mm-hmm. one way you carried trauma like actually deformed it's party? probably a mixture of both oh wow because so, yeah when you're saying your body stores trauma you're not just saying yeah it's in your mind it's in your emotions it's like no it physically no, it's physically held in your body, in your body. No, yeah, yeah. It, Actually, it was funny because I actually looked up the definition of trauma before I came here because, like I said, I was worried about forgetting words. Sure. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, there's a lot of technical terms you're supposed to know. And, um, <laughs> and it, but it was, they didn't give you like a very, it was, you know, some, something bad happening to your body or something going through a bad experience. And I was like, oh, I medically take care of physical traumas all the mm. time just like there are emotional traumas and it's and people think of them as happening one is in your brain and one is in your body when really it all happens in your body because once again yeah. we're all just we're we're just chemistry yeah talking to itself Interesting. <laughs> yeah isn't that wild you know and huh. so and as you know from all the transformation you've gone through yeah. and figuring out with your body once you start engaging with your body in a different way mm-hmm. it is an experience yeah and it's one of the reasons why it's so hard to wrap words around it mm. and why as humans we, we keep trying trying to come up with ways that we can wrap words around it yeah. because it is a nonverbal thing and nonverbal is where I hmm. shine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I've, that's what I've learned about myself. I've yeah. done animal training, which is nonverbal. I've done, um, hospice, well, hospice care, but also, uh, geriatric care. Hmm. But I, well, I won't say I specialize, but I did the best with dementia care. 
Really? Yeah, because huh. I'm good at figuring out what is not being said. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm learning that about myself as I'm seeing how I, what, what I've chosen as careers. Okay. And so, and then I chose body work, which mm. is all about figuring out how to talk to bodies, you know? Yeah. And, um, and it's not woohoo because it's the most grounded thing you can possibly do because you're literally getting into your tissue. Yeah. And so it's it's an interesting place to be. But okay, so anyways. Yeah. So the the experience that woke me up out of this state that I was in. So I had just been diagnosed with PCOS and I went for a massage treatment while I was still in school okay. from a TA. And she specialized in what, or my, um, my school that I went to had this therapy called Zen body care. Okay. So, um, fascia is thick connective tissue that holds your body together. Okay. And it weaves through your muscle. It surrounds each muscle. And then there's big lines of it that stabilize everything. It's everywhere. Wow. (laughs) It's what holds all of, it holds everything in place. Most of the time, when you're injured, when there's something wrong, it's a dysfunction in your fascia. Like it's like, cause it's, it's in everything and it's linked to everything. So one of the, one of the therapies and a lot of therapies that massage uses is, can be painful because it's literally ripping, ripping apart these fascia Yeah, you used to do that to me. Yeah. 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 And there's nice ways to do it and there's not nice ways to do it. And we're still finding out new ways to do it all the time. Were you doing it nicely Um, to me or was it? I try to do it as nice as I can, but sometimes we're not. And some people like the not nice ways. Yeah. Um, some people actually like going through a little bit of pain, (laughs) which I found, not me. Yeah, me neither. Anyway, so there's, it's called Zen body therapy work and, Mm. um, it's a, it's a, a manipulative fascial therapy. And it's 10 sessions that you go okay. through. And it's very specifically about um, readjusting and balancing out your fascia. Okay. And so because we'll, we move the same way all the time and the body to help us will thicken up those fascial lines. And yeah. so then we become really imbalanced. And that's mm. why most people are imbalanced. And so um, so when I say I don't know, I could have been born with a twisty spine or, you know, not, I was diagnosed with a little bit of scoliosis in my teens. Hmm. But a couple of years ago, I went to another chiropractor and I had told him about the scoliosis. And when I laid down, he said he couldn't feel it. And then when I sat up and he felt my spine again and he's like, oh, that's because, oh, no, no, I'm seeing I'm not going to be able to remember it. You have functional scoliosis. Hmm. So my scoliosis didn't happen until I literally engaged with gravity. As soon as I stood up, all of my fascia had twists my spine into wherever I've been keeping it. The good thing is that can be fixed with regular yoga and balance, anything that balances your body, which is a lot of workout stuff, you know, that sort of thing and massage therapy and that sort of thing and manual therapies of any kind, um, that can be fixed. And, Hmm. but it also means it's probably something I've done to myself. Sure. Cause who knows? I probably, I I know my ribs enough to know I probably wasn't this twisted before my weight gain. Interesting. So that weight gain and then the loss has, has, has left me with a lot of, and you see that a lot with people who've gained a lot of weight and then lose it, your body has to readjust because all your joints got really accustomed to to carrying around all this weight and now it doesn't have it. And so a lot of people who were really heavy and then they lose a bunch of weight, they're really stiff. They're not mobile because they're not used to that kind of movement without it. Interesting. Anyways. Um, so she went in and (laughs) it's like, I think I can't, I can't remember it was the first or second session. Oh no, it's the first one. It's all about getting you to breathe because so much of massage and letting go has to do with breathing correctly. Sure. 
So you go through and you open up your rib cage, which literally means putting your thumbs next to each other, putting them in between your ribs, and then pulling the thumbs apart quickly. Oh, wow. And so you're literally going in, putting your fingers into the fascia and ripping it apart. Interesting. I cried the entire session. I was going to say, it does not sound <laughs> not enjoyable. Not pain. I cried because as soon as she started digging into my rib cage, all of my grief started coming out. Really? Yeah. And she asked, she multiple times, she's like, are you okay? I'm like, just let me go. Like, I knew what it was when it was happening. Wow. All of my, that's what, and a lot of people store certain emotions in certain muscles. Oh, whoa. And some people, all, well, like some people similarly store in, but a lot of times it's just about figuring out what you store where. Sure. <laughs> you know, it's not like, okay, it, everybody stores their grief in their ribs. I store my grief in my ribs. Oh, I'm pretty wow. sure, I, sure I store sadness in my forearms because I get really sad whenever anyone works. Like, you know what I mean? Like as if you pay attention and, you know, especially if you're a sensitive person, you know? Yeah. Um, and so that was when, after leaving that session was when I was like, okay, Steph, it's time to get your shit together. Wow. Like it's time to deal. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, there's something like, I don't know. It's why I'd avoided it for so long. So I didn't even know what I was avoiding, hmm. but I knew there was something I had to figure out. And that was really, and I, so that's when I really started on like, okay, I'm just going to do what I know I can do. Okay. And that was actually right about the same time frame where like my, my true deconstruction started too. Yeah. And so it's interesting to me now looking back on it yeah. um, as my life is shifting being like oh all this happened at the same time and um and a part of the big part of the deconstruction you know in school one of the things that i really had to shift to look at myself a different way was draw like i had to shift my thought process on evolution because huh. i was still approaching things and you even did it in this conversation we already had yeah. that I noticed um you know you you approach things of like okay but but how do we fix this huh. what you know it's like yeah. your PCOS how do you fix that yeah you're and always in like, fix I'm like and I'm like no no I was born this way this is the chemistry mm. I was born with fixing it just means I would work in this world that we've created better like, why am I not okay just as I am right now? Why is it a bad thing that I grow extra hair? Uh, you know what I mean? It's yeah. like, you know, now the, the one of the bad things about PCOS is that it's really hard to get kids, have kids. Okay. And so it's it, that's, that's where my um, infertility comes from. And so some people do want to fix their PCOS, but you don't necessarily have to fix it. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's what, yeah. And so it, looking at yourself as if you're a creature that needs to be fixed is a huge thing that we've gotten from Christianity that I'm still like, weeding out of myself hmm. but in in class when the instructor was talking about a way that i don't even remember what it was a way that the body worked i asked him why it worked that way and he looked at me and he was like that's just the way it works hmm. and that's what we figured out you know what i mean it was yeah, like, yeah. i'm like and that was one of those moments where i was like oh i think and i had dropped christianity yet at this point like sure. i still thought of myself as a christian um uh, but having that creationism that I grew up with yeah. and being like, Oh no, you were created a perfect human and now you're fallen and now you have to get back to this perfection. Hmm. It fucks with your brain. Yeah. And, and so getting into an area and getting into a, um, a career hmm. where I'm, I'm dealing with science. I'm dealing with, okay, we don't know how the body works. So we had to literally dissect, a bunch of them yeah. just to even look to see what we're dealing with. You know what I mean? It yeah. changes how you think about it and it gives your, it gives you a lot more grace for yourself huh. and being like, you know what, this is just how I'm born, you know? And, and a lot of times growing up, people, um, disparaged me having ADD. Huh. I love my ADD. 
Yeah. <laughs> like I've always loved it. It's I love playing with my own brain. Like it, mm. it's entertaining to me. Sure. Um, it's a pain in the ass a lot of times. Sure. And yes, there are things that I've had to learn and systems that I've had to learn to be able to be a functional adult with ADD. Okay. But that's because I have a society that I have to live in. And if I yeah. didn't have ADD and I was just an animal finding my stuff out all, you know, like, yeah, somebody's I would probably like, hey, here's survive a... a lot better than some of y'all because none of y'all pay attention to what's around you very yeah. much. You know what I mean? Yeah. And because that's all ADD is, is I'm thinking about all of this out here, everything around me more than I'm thinking about the thing in front of my face. That's all ADD yeah. is. You know what I mean? And, people, and our systems are in place where you have and to And systems like, are in place you know, where you have to be a focused human being at all times. Yeah. But Turn my, that on at eight o'clock when you But being able in. to pay attention to everything in in my space is probably why I'm really good at nonverbal stuff. Yeah. If I'm, if I'm, if I'm hundreds of years ago trekking down the Oregon Trail, I want you on my, mm-hmm. I want you on my wagon. Mm-hmm. I need you. Yeah. yeah you're, you're, yeah. A, yeah. That's you know, and that's, and, and it gives me a huge, more, a bigger value for humanity. Hmm. It gives us a place for everybody. Yeah. Because everybody is a, a unique specimen. So it's not about, oh, here's this bubble that you, or this, here's this box that you don't fit into. So you better figure out how to, you know, fold yourself into the correct shape to fit in this box. Yeah. It's, oh, what do you have? Who are you? What do you yeah. have to offer? How, how were you created in a different way? How do you think differently than I do? Because I can only see this certain perspective of humanity. Hmm. And I don't see things the same way you do. And if I've learned anything from working on seven people a day. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah. And when <laughs> you're working, days a week. And when you're working, um, it's not like, we're not talking about like, spa leisurely like oh god no no we not like the people. massage that no. that people think like oh, i could use a nice massage no. like you're getting in there you're yeah. i remember you one time i was like I mean, my face was in the hole and you were like standing or doing something with my hand and i was like yeah i turn around and you're like you know you're on your your ropes up in the in the <laughs> ceiling or whatever those people don't know they're like what kind of massage does she do yeah it's like what is that in my hand i was like oh that's her heel <laughs> you know like oh but it, but it was really like yeah yeah, yeah so the stuff you're doing pleasure. is deep yeah like a lot of accidents. So just so everybody knows, yeah. so you don't think it's super weird. Um, so I work for a medical massage clinic. We do a bunch of different stuff. Um, uh, but what a lot of us are trained in is called ashiatsu. Okay. Uh, it's it's where we use our feet instead of our hands to massage, and that's mm. what he's talking about. Yeah. And I don't, I'm not painting you out to be I, a total I'm not on creep. ropes. Yeah. Um, we have bars, <laughs> bars above in the, the bed that we hold on to to balance ourselves while we're walking on people. I could have set you up a lot better um, there. Yeah. <laughs> so. And I don't even actually walk on people. I try not to say that because mm. people get freaked out by it. So yeah. I'm literally just using my feet as a tool. Um, and why why is that why is that a form? They well, especially for bigger guys or big muscles that I can't hold on to. Um, so the feet is a, it's a broader tool. Okay. Um, for really deep work, the body doesn't like anything sharp okay. or fast. You have to be broad and deep. Interesting. And so the broader the tool and the slower you go, the the more ap- the more apt the body is to accept the depth. Huh. Um, and so. Um, well, and that's one of the uses. And, and then also I can use all of my body weight behind something, which sure. isn't always necessary, but there are some places that it is super like working on legs and thighs and quads yeah. is so much easier because, that makes sense. you know, and especially big shouldered guys, you know, and we have like, there's some big guys hmm. and massage is really hard on massage therapists. Sure. Like you're literally giving your body to somebody else's Yeah, I'm like, body. I don't know how you did it. Like when and, I come see you at the end of the day, I'm like, how have you done this all? And so a lot of so a lot of 
I think a lot of the advancement in massage has to do with massage therapists trying to figure out how to get the results in easier ways. <laughs> <laughs> Different machines yeah. and stuff, yeah. Because this particular, um, the the company that taught all of us uh, and who we, all of us learned Ashiatsu from, okay. um, they're from down in Portland and they're, uh, she's retired now, but the, who started that company back in the 90s was a lady who was working on um, stunt guys down in LA. Oh, wow. And so it was all these huge guys and yeah. she was killing herself and she's like, there's got to be a better way. And mm. so she actually went over to Asia and studied all these different techniques to use her feet and came up with protocols, which wow. is what massage therapist calls like the the way that you do things when yeah. you're learning a new technique, you have a protocol that you follow sure. until you learn the technique enough to go off protocol yeah, 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 yeah. you get familiar <laughs> so, enough with yeah, it, yeah yeah it's like you have to do it for it because you know there is a certain there's a feel to massage but there's also like a set of stuff that you need to do so um and then we also do cupping which you've experienced sure. i love it which is the suction and then there's something called guasha which is a stone that you use to break up fascia with huh. um i do different kind of stretch classes and stuff like that that sure. i t- took um there's any massage therapist that cares is going to have a lot of extracurricular we're yeah, like you're, a you're learner, supposed right? to you're supposed to have so many hours. Most massage therapists I know are go way over their hours. Okay. Um, because most anyone who loves body work is going to be that's why they're gonna be in it. And everyone mm. I work with, luckily, are those kind of people, which is one of the re- reasons why I love where I work so much yeah. and I stayed there for so long. Um anyways, no, I did notice that about you. It was like there's just a you were always learning. You wanted new techniques, you were not just Mm-hmm. what the experts were putting out but you're you know like we're doing a class on this or mm-hmm. we're learning this from asia or mm-hmm. we're learning and it it was like man i wish more people took their like mm-hmm. passion that seriously and deep dove on it you know yeah and it's yeah mm-hmm. i do know yeah mm-hmm. so and it's one of the reasons why it's so hard to leave it too because i do love the work so sure. much like uh, i started uh, yeah it took me a long time to decide i'm i'm bad at making decisions anyway but yeah. i mean we i started seriously thinking about leaving in january oh wow and i officially made the decision and told my boss labor day oh wow so that was what you got some time yeah jeez that's funny <laughs> but yeah. it's because i would go in i'm like i'd be exhausted and all yeah. this kind of stuff and having such a bad time at home and then i'm there for a couple hours and i love it like hmm. Yeah. You know, it is work that I, I, like I said, I, me- I meant to do it for 10, sure. 10 years. Like I, when I, and I originally went into it, I wanted to do it for at least 10 years. So, so gradually, gradually I lost the weight. I yeah. learned about stretching. That was, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't go through a huge, like I didn't have a, pr- a program. Sure, okay. I just, you were just making I it just, up as you, I just went as, yeah, we just, I just went with what it was, you know, and all that mm. kind of stuff and just life and, and everything. And, and so letting go of the evolution, that was a huge shift for me and yeah. learning, learning about fight and flight response, learning about trauma. Um, was that, was that, so for people listening, mm-hmm. deconstruction, uh, is probably a familiar term to many, but you know, it's, it's essentially a dismantling of the system mostly in religion that, that the world that I'm in of what you've believed, what you've been told is true and kind of figuring stuff out for yourself. And yeah. so obviously in an evangelical American Christian setting, the move from uh, like a creationist sort of viewpoint mm-hmm. or even a literal seven day creation of the world to no, we could evolve. Did that come from, yeah. um, you were just confronted with the science and it was bigger than what yeah, religion Yeah, I mean, taught? at the same time, I was letting go of um, the Bible needing to be inerrant. Hmm. Where know? did that start? A podcast. <laughs> okay. And it just made... Was I it mean, like... I could name her, you know her, but I won't say <laughs> Was it just uh, like a... 
it just hit you one day or oh, you God. heard it? And I mean, it was... no, I okay. mean, that's, uh, you know, uh, yeah. Cause for me, it it's was never, uh, well, I mean, for some people, maybe it's a thing, but for me, it was a long term. I had mm. it, a part of it for me was the whole, uh, Portland thing. Okay. I mean, I was the most, de- one of the most devoted, like I wanted to be, uh, I wanted to be a missionary when I was 10. Wow. Um, I had so many people tell me, like I had one, one boss in my early 20, he's like, I just expect you to leave and be a nun someday. Like I'm just a, I've, I've always been a very naturally mystical kid. Like my mom would make jokes that she would hear me telling God jokes before I fell asleep at night when I was like six, you know, like before I can remember, I was always talking to God. Wow. Um, you know, and I remember going out in the backyard and where I lived growing up was gorgeous. I love it. Um, and there was always wind. Like, okay. uh, there, uh, there was, I can remember two days where we didn't have wind. Really? Yes. And, um, it's and I love wind to this day. That's and awesome. I would go out in the backyard and watch the sunset and I would call it breathing with the world because uh, I would listen to the wind and take deep breaths. That's cool. I mean, I just, just did that naturally for... as a child. Like yeah. that's just who I was. And so, you know, and so in, my, my mom is a very charismatic Christian. Okay. And so I was brought up very Protestant. What I now, I mean, I guess you can say evangelical because that's the sector I live. But sure. I wasn't evangel. I'm never. I'm not going to say it right. Evan- evangelizing. There you go. Yeah, yeah. You uh, was not natural to me. Okay. <laughs> so I never got into the evangelizing side of it. But because it was charismatic, my, you know, I, I was the kid that I was the one kid at, in, in church who was excited about three-hour worship sessions. Wow. Because now I realize. Mm-hmm you know, worship, prayer, even speaking in tongues became oh, a medit- yeah. all of that became meditative practice for me. I mm. had super, I didn't know it at the time, but I had, I've always had super high anxiety, okay. you know, for various different reasons, you know, I have different traumas, you know? And so as, as I start reconnecting with my body and waking up out of the stupor that I put myself in yeah. by giving myself alcohol and sugar for forever. Sure. Um, then, uh, oh, that's the other thing I should say. PCOS, when you have too much sugar, it gives you brain fog. Okay. So if I have sugar on a regular basis, I can literally keep myself in like a stupor. Like really? uh, it's like a drug for me, basically. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I, and, um, yeah. And brain so, fog's the weirdest too, where you feel oh, like you're gosh. like, I always think brain fog. Cause I had a season of that when I was touring and it was, I remember being in a Walmart and the only way I can describe it is like, I imagine it if it's what a ghost feels like where you're like, I'm here, but I'm not here. Oh yeah. Like yeah. I'm traveling these, you know, these Walmart uh, aisles, but I'm not Yeah. here. Like it feels like I'm in another world right now. Like, yeah. 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 I honestly, uh, sometimes I'm still trying to kind of figure out what I feel. Um, also, I, I don't know if you've talked about the Enneagram much on your podcast yet. No, I want to, because okay, it's so, so helpful. So for those who know, I'm at Enneagram 9. Yeah. And I honestly think like a lot of the Enneagram 9s that I know also have ADD. And part of me wonders how much personalities and like stuff like brain fog and all that kind yeah. of stuff have to do with just how your brain works and like these different things that you might be prone to. Yeah. Um, so anyways, that's just a side yeah that's interesting that's a side conversation we can have later but um uh so yeah so anyway where were we at i don't remember well we were talking you were talking about the pcos is pcos is it mm-hmm. okay PCOS. uh yeah. and the brain fog yeah and we got into the enneagram stuff yeah sorry no you're fine one thought that i i did have as you were just talking was mm-hmm. um how how do you now versus what maybe you used to like how knowing what you know of 
grief and the emotion and the effect that has on the body and self-care stuff, what would you say to people that like when, when you talk about your anxiety, mm-hmm. cause I was raised in the church as well. Mm-hmm. And I was always told deal with it by, it, it almost felt like Neanderthal, like just pray and God should take it away. And you go, yeah, that, I haven't experienced that working where I did experience getting a bit more clarity with my anxiety was actually putting some rituals in place, figuring out how to talk myself off the ledge, Mm -hmm. noticing what's going. But Mm -hmm. there was such a detachment in my growing up Christian from any sort of emotional, like Mm -hmm. if you've got a problem, prayer is the fix. And it sounds like even taking this class, you're like, no, maybe science could be the fix over. Like, does it, yeah. I don't know how to ask that no, question. That, that's where I'm at now. I okay. wouldn't have been able to verbalize it that way back then. Probably not even the last time we talked, I wouldn't have been able to verbalize it like that. Okay. Um, and I'm just now getting to a point where I can start re-engaging practices like meditation and breath work. Okay. And even though I've been doing it, I it's still been hard to me. It's been hard for me to do it without the religious dogma. Yeah. And I'm just now getting to a point where I can do that. Interesting. Um, so yeah. because I was raised in the charismatic side of things, that did help for a long time hmm. because I did deal it with it with God in sessions and that kind of thing. And I remember now looking back, we, I mean, I don't know about you, but I didn't call it anxiety when I was growing up. No. You know what I mean? That's yeah. not, we didn't have that kind of language back then. Yeah. I'm just now realizing how, that I've had anxiety my entire life. And this isn't something that's just cropped up. I've just dealt with it in different ways. And that's what Christianity gave me was something to deal with it with. But hmm. I would have a breakdown in the bathroom where I would cry, cry with God, hmm. quote unquote, for 30 minutes, a couple times a month. And I thought that was just normal. Like, that's just what you do. That's how you deal with the heaviness of life or, you know, and and now I realize that my body was probably just processing all of this crap at once, you Mm. know, and I've had, um, I've had a lot of like spiritual, what people would consider spiritual experiences, like supernatural experiences where I have felt the peace of God where, Mm. you know, but once again, my kind of Christianity, very physically engaging. I was encouraged to dance at worship. I could Mm. kneel and cry on the floor for three hours if I needed to. It was a safe spot. Like all of that was safe, you know, and my family understood that. So all like, it it was okay for me to be in my room, Mm. you know, and, and praying and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, um, even, um, I spoke in tongues for the first time when I was 10. Oh, wow. And so like, and so even looking back on all of this, I realized, Oh, like I have obviously have a very sensitive nervous system because mm. I'm very affected by stuff like worship and get, I'm, it's really e- not easy, but I'm, I, it's easy for me to get into a meditative state, you know? And so it's that sort of obviously that obviously those are comfortable places for me because they're what I've always sought out. Sure. So really the losing my faith is probably what led me to the weight gain and Mm. the drinking and all of that kind of stuff because it took away everything I was using to deal with my anxiety and I didn't have any other tools because mm. I couldn't access worship and prayer yeah. without feeling I ha- like I had to submit myself to this box I didn't want to put myself into anymore. Interesting. And it's hard because you're also losing the best friend at the same time. You yeah. know? So it's like as much as you want to get away from this thing you feel like's hurt you your entire life, it's also the thing that saved you a lot as a kid. Yeah. And so there's a lot of conflicting... There's just a it? lot of stuff to... Mm. I I was, I the mean, reason I asked that question is I had some guys over recently and I said, there was growing up in Southern California, Friday nights, 
guitars on the beach with my youth group. Oh yeah. No, there's there was something there's so happening there. Like there's a, it, was that just a collective? And I, and I I've, go back I, to missing that. I've gotten uh, to the place where I'm at peace. Not like, I don't try to talk myself out of that being a real thing. Hmm. Every experience I had was real. Oh, wow. I w- I'm still the same set of chemicals that yeah. went through that experience back then. Yeah. It's all about the story that you're wrapping around it. So no, my story is different now. And that's one of the things I've actually been working through in therapy mm. is because it's like a lot of times what they talk about in therapy is, you know, when we're kids, we're trapped in these, if you're, if you've gone through trauma, trauma is being trapped in basically trapped in a situation that you're not allowed to get yourself out of. Mm. Like, you know what I mean? So anything where you don't have control yeah. over, your environment can be a traumatic situation. Yeah. And and a lot of times church can be a traumatic situation for people or you know various situations and stuff like that. And so realizing that as an like I'm still the same person, mm-hmm. like that kid survived. Interesting. Now at the time I thought I survived because God got me through that. Okay. What yeah. do you do that with that when you drop the god? I survived. Hmm. I got through that. You know what I mean? And and that doesn't negate that, that, that whatever, however you want to label what God was then or is now, Hmm. that was still an active part of my life. Yeah. You know, maybe that was just a a strength that I didn't know that I was drawing from and I had to call it something else so that I could, Hmm. you know, um, because you're going up, you need, you need a higher authority than the authority that's with you at the moment. And if, and if you're being taught your entire life that, that, the person traumatizing you is your authority. Well, I mean, at least I was one of the people who was taught there was a good God. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He wasn't the yeah, sinners I, in the hands I of I always angry believed God. Yeah. in a father God that wanted the best for me. Like, mm. thank God I believed that much. And so when I was a kid, I could go to him and wail and rant and give him all. Like, I had a place for all of that back then. Yeah. And it is it is what saved me. It is why I think I am a mildly healthy adult. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you and you've know? also done some really deep work. Yeah. So, yeah. and then, yeah. And then, like I said, but, but uh, massage saved me. Like, mm. how would I have known all of this if I hadn't gone into massage and, and like body work and gone in day after day and not only taking care of other people, but learning how to take care of myself at the same time, yeah. because you can't go into something like massage therapy and not also address all of the crap that comes up in your own body. Yeah. Cause that's where you learn the most. Yeah. You learn by doing it yourself, you know? And yeah. so I would learn by breathing. I would learn by stretching. I would learn by, you know, all this kind of stuff and figuring it out and working on my own body and feeling how things can release and stuff like that. So, Hmm. um, why do you think we're so detached from our bodies? Because of the trauma. We can't sit with our trauma. Is that a uniquely like American thing? Do you know? Or like, is that no, 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 Bodies have been traumatized for generations Hmm. upon generation. Then I am one who, where I do believe that that can, that can stack. Like, you know, I, I haven't been through what most people would consider heavily traumatizing situations, Mm. but I'm a sensitive enough human being that the trauma that I have gone in has been really blocked my life. And so do you think that would be the same for everybody or like, can you escape trauma? Everybody's different. No, No, I think, I think what we need to learn more than anything is now we're all just traumatized and we all just need to deal with it. And that's Mm. where most of the crap is coming from because most people's reactions, like I'll say bad reactions or or negative reactions or negative habits, all of that is probably coming from a, a, 
a belief system that might have a root in a trauma that they've gone through. Mm. So, you know, um, and it's different for everyone because everyone's like I was raised in, you know, it's just like siblings who were raised in the same house come out so different because yeah. even if you've been raised in the same house, you're going to have a different kind of, you know, stuff to you. When every so, time I've dealt with it, I don't know if this is the same for you. Every time that I've dealt with it, it's been so unexpected. Like I might go in and, and go like, oh, I'm going to do a counseling session. Or I'm going to do this or that. But it's like there's things that I think might be the cause or there there's situations I remember. Oh, and then it's, yeah. it's like blindsided by these yeah. giant revelations that I, I come to, but it never is like me sitting down and going like, okay, in this, this one hour of therapy, it's going to be, no, it'll be like me driving home going like, Oh my God, these pieces just now it, the puzzle but came it's together. Because, the, because you did the sifting through in the therapy. Yeah. Like, would that have come up if you hadn't have spent that yeah. hour? And that's why it's interesting when I have people come in because um, a lot of people will say stuff like, oh, I never feel this pain unless I'm on this table. And we joke really? about how it's the, it's the table's fault. You know yeah, what the I mean? The trauma table. And yeah, it's like, but it's mm. because they don't stop because they haven't stopped enough in the however many weeks it's been since I've seen them to check in with our body to see if they're okay. You know, and... Do you think that's a reason? Do you think the result... Do you think our our incessant busyness is us collectively running from our trauma? Mm, um, yeah, I think it's one of the patches that we use. Mm. I think we use, so, I mean, we're once again, we are monkeys with computer brains. Mm. Like all, most of what we're doing every day is just trying to survive. Like yeah. that, that is what we get up every day to do. We're the ones who are trying to give ourselves a deeper purpose than just surviving. Hmm. Our body just wants to survive. So that's why it's like people will blame their bodies for being a certain way. There's no point in that. Hmm. <laughs> it's like you have, you are the way you are because of the patterns that you have. So it's about hmm. stepping back and looking at the patterns that you're doing and taking that kind of time. And no, we don't give our, tell ourselves the time to do it, but it's, that's all. I mean, we could get into capitalism. Sure. And, I mean, that's, that's such a huge layer of why we are the way we are and performance yeah, and, you know, all of that kind of stuff, you know, for me, so I did this 40 day water fast a couple months ago with just pure water for 40 days, nothing else. And, uh, I started at cold Turkey, but one of the things halfway through the fast where I was like, I think this is why I started it was, um, a few days before I did the fast, I was so excited to have, um, a salad for lunch <laughs> yeah. and, like I was ready to eat healthy. I was on it. I, a salad sounded so good. And the next thing you know, literally 30 minutes later, I'm driving back to work with a burger from a fast food joint. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, I drove to this place. I paid for this. I ordered yeah. it. I took it. I've unwrapped it. And now it's hitting me that, my God, 30 minutes ago, I wanted a salad. And I just, mm -hmm. it scared me how out of control. I felt like somebody else was driving my body. Mm -hmm. And that for me was the kicker where I was like, I've got some, I've got some eating disorder. So I've got something going on. Mm -hmm. And the only way I knew to, to, to start to deal with it was go for the jugular and go, then I'm going to cut all food altogether. Yeah. That's, and, and give me some time to figure out what just happened there. I mean, I thank God you actually listened to that and not like a lot of people like I did who had to go to the doctor and get diagnosed with something yeah. before you actually changed your lifestyle. Well, and that's the thing too, is like, that, that, that just seems to be another output of us running from what, mm -hmm. you know, cause, cause you got people that when I was, you were just talking about, you know, we grow up and we want to, we want to get through the day. We want to survive. And I go, I just see more and more people that are 
they know they're sick. They know they're unhealthy. They can't escape the feedback loop of Mm -hmm. fast food and, and going, going, going. We have no time to sit down and make a dinner. So we got to get a frozen. And it's like, we're just not even being kind to ourselves at that point. Well, in a way, I do think that that is one of the good things that of what happened with the pandemic, actually. Unpack that a bit, yeah. That it, st- it halted our lives. So mm. many people got completely, got shocked enough by having to change their lifestyle in some way that it probably disrupted another part of it. And then, so, I mean, it's, I think yeah. it is something that a lot of us, you know, are, are coming to terms with. I, all of this stuff happened for me. Let's see. I started work at my job 2016. Okay. Um, I was starting to have panic attacks or anxiety attacks, whatever, however you want to classify them enough by the summer of 2019 to like have them on the way to work and it'd be disrupt- disrupting wow. my life enough in the mornings because I would wake oh, up and have panic attacks. They're the, the worst too. Like I used to be in the ER because oh, the only... Really? My, mine never got that bad, thank God. Oh, mine... But... For me, all I needed was a doctor to go... It's a, Mine's a health anxiety and I'm still mm. trying to figure out right now where that's coming mm. from. But I would think... Like I remember the first time... It was shortly after... We, we got... Me and my wife got married and I was in Nashville and it was like 1130 at night and I thought I was dying. Mm-hmm. And I told my wife, like, I'm going to the emergency room. She's like, yeah, like why? And yeah. I got there and they're like, they ran the tests and they're like, no, you're fine. Go home. You're, you're fine. There's nothing wrong. And I was like, that happened three or four times. But as soon as the doctor said, you're fine, it was like, peace. I'll go mm-hmm. home, get a good night's sleep. So that was, that was an interesting mm-hmm. trigger for me too. I'm still trying to figure out what. Yeah where that health anxiety comes from. Cause I do see it in one of my kids as well. Mm, and that makes me really sad for him. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have so much hope for our next generations. I feel like yeah. we're figuring out so much of how we work now that I yeah. feel so much, I have, I have so much hope for them. So it's okay. They'll be okay. I promise. Well, I, and I enjoy too, cause you know, I was working this job and I had employees and stuff and watching them set boundaries that I've not never right. seen people older than me be oh able to do. Gosh. And I actually read an article recently cause a lot of my clients were having a hard time hiring people. Mm-hmm. And I was like, why? Like, is it because of the unemployment pay? Mm-hmm. And it was like, the article argued that no, people have actually just had enough time to go, I'm not going to take this job for this pay. And I'm setting a boundary. Like, They're I'm not going to be a waitress. themselves enough yeah. to not be worked to the bone because that's what we've built our entire society on is capitalism. Yeah. yeah. Imagine that. Yeah. And there's a, it reminds <laughs> of an old Macklemore song in, in 10,000 hours. And he says, um, he says, uh, he, the comment is a generation of kids choosing love over a desk. Yeah. Uh, and I'm like, man, that is, that is, I think we're going to see some huge pivots here. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, uh, it's partially what's pivoting my life actually. Hmm. Um, yeah. That's crazy. So where are you at in the, the deconstruction world now? Like, would you go? Oh, um, I mean. Cause I miss it. Like I miss what I used to have. I found safety there. I found, oh. I found a tribe there that was really nice to validate. Like, really? Yeah. When I, I mean, was in it. Well, okay. Obviously the thing I miss about it is the people. Yeah. I mean, in the relationship, because that's just what I love and that's what I've always loved. Sure. And that's what I've always been drawn for, drawn to. Um, I, I don't know. That's why I almost hate labeling things because mm. I don't even know if I'm in a deconstruction process or if I'm in a reconstruction process. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, I don't know where I'm at. There's no diagram to pin mm. myself. It's an on. evolution, right? So, um, uh, as it affects 
listening to the body and stuff mm. like that. Um, to me, I still consider myself, I almost considered myself exactly where I was when I was a kid. Mm. It's like my favorite place is to be outside listening to the wind. Mm. Like that's, that's where I find my space, you know, and that's where I, oh, but that's, I'm returning to something that I, you know, that I've always had and stuff like that. Yeah. So, um, theologically, I, uh, to me, it's about whatever, co- what, what conversation I'm having. Like yeah. I would rather define that with, with in whatever parameters of whatever conversation I'm having. Yeah. Um, I guess you could probably classify me as agnostic if you wanted to, yeah, because sure. I still use the verbiage of God. Um, which most, I think is the only honest answer to, by the way, like, well, I mean, uh, you know, whatever people can label themselves whatever they want to. Sure. Um, so, but, um, most of the time when I say God these days, I'm talking about, I, you know, if you want to call it the collective consciousness sure. or, um, you know, if you can say like, yeah, so that sort of thing. Um, I don't personify a God anymore. Sure. I don't, ha- and I don't believe, oh, what do they call it? I've, I learned this term. Apparently it's a thing with, with, de- I'm still, I'm still barely in the deconstruction, like, you know, sure. like realm, but, um, interventionalist God. That's oh, that. I've never heard that. Yeah. So that's the, do- the God that intervenes. Like, oh. and so I've given up the interventionalist God. Hmm. Um, but I still believe in prayer. Sure. I still believe in sitting quietly. You know, that's a lot of, um, yeah. I actually, I legit still use my tongue sometimes when I'm having anxiety, like, because it, for me, it's a meditative state. And huh. so it's like, to me, it's not about, as with all things that I've, I've always been this way. It's not about the definition. It's, you know, and, and I, in just in the last couple of weeks, I've been thinking, thinking about it. And I think I'm like, I think that's why I can't necessarily consider myself a Christian anymore. Hmm. Well, not only because they wouldn't consider me a Christian yeah, sure. anymore. Yeah. Blacklisted. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's, it's, well, it's, it's that I don't, I, it's the Jesus thing, you know, mm. it's always, it always comes down to the Jesus thing for me. Sure. Um, but, um, it's because Christian today, evangelical mm. modern Christianity, I'll say, because sure. I, I still have a lot of respect for the the tradition of Christianity, yeah. um, uh, is so much more concerned about answers. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, you know, I was thinking about it the other day, I'm like, I don't know if how, how long it would have taken me to get to the question of, is there a heaven or hell? Cause I feel yeah. like that's a question that was answered for me before I even got to ask it. Yeah. Like, I don't even know what but I would have You had a lens put it, on you yeah. At a young age. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and quite frankly, and I, I used to think this was a like weird thing because, you know, when you're raised in Christianity, you feel like everyone thinks the same thing except you. Sure. Um, like I've never honestly can say I've been that concerned about death. Hmm. Like I know that there might be pain before you die. Like sure. the way you die could be bad. I get yeah. that. I don't know if I've ever had this, like, I'm not that kid that laid in bed at night worrying about death and where I was going to go and stuff like that. Like, and it wasn't because I had Christianity and I knew I was going to heaven because I was actually more concerned with going to hell. Like that's, yeah, you know, because that's what the story that I was told. Yeah. Um, so I had that, that anxiety for a long time, but, um, so, so to me, and, and once again, this might be very much a nine thing. I'm much more, to me, it's about like learning as what, like we were talking before we started the podcast. Yeah. I want to be able to be in my body. Yeah. I want to be able to be here. I want to not feel so traumatized in this vessel yeah. that I feel like I have to be outside of it all the time. See, and I think I wonder if that's part of what, you know, when hell, when a literal hell slipped out of my mind, I wonder, it did feel a bit more freeing because I was paralyzed by... A bit? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it was very freeing. <laughs> then, then, I, and then I see, you, you, know, you know, what's funny is I still look back on that. Than me. <laughs> yeah, that's I, and that's very fair. Well, I will say this: I was raised with a lot of end time theology, hmm. so a lot of my stuff has to do with end Through times and all that kind of stuff. So, if if, if we're gonna go for actual like traumatizing theology, yeah. Like, yes, there's heaven and hell, but I feel like all Christianity has. I don't know if everybody has the rapture anxiety that, you know, and um, like Jesus freak. And I thought I was going to die a martyr. Oh, see, Like I was a kid who prepped myself for death. I was like, oh, I would lay in bed at night and be like, okay, if they're, if they, if they try to make me do this, if they do, they torture me all these different ways to get me to deny Christ. I have to, I have to make sure that I won't. And so I would take myself through all these scenarios. So See, mine was different. I felt like looking back now, I, it was the, it was the Santa Claus of my Christianity. It was mm. the, it was the eternal carrot dangling in front of me of every decision being through the lens of like, well, this, like, can I love Jesus and make one decision and it's wrong. And that's what sends me to hell forever. Yeah. Like, yeah. And so when you're a kid laying in bed at night for me, mm-hmm. That stuff terrified it's, me. It's terrifying. And you don't think like leaving a kid in a dark spot alone every night terrifying. has long-term no, mental effects yeah. on somebody? Yeah. yeah. And the same person who's supposed to fix it is the person you're supposed to talk to in that moment. Yeah. Who's get, who constructed the entire game to begin with. Like yeah. this whole plan, this whole thing that you're trying to figure out. When you're trying to figure out how the world works. Uh, you know, and so it's been so much more helpful for me dealing with my anxiety, as you said, in a very scientific way (laughs) of being like, okay, what actually happens when your body is in fight and flight? Hmm. Like, and what's triggering your body to go into fight and flight? Yeah. Start there, you know? And Hmm. so, and it's not an easy thing. And like I said, I'm nonverbal. So it's taken me a long time to figure out. Yeah. And I don't have one big traumatic event that we're working off of here. Sure. We're working off of, I don't know why I'm having these panic attacks. What's going on? Yeah. And so I actually, um, so those panic attacks were 2019. Summer of 2019, um, ACA, Adult Children yeah. Alcoholics, yeah. I think we talked, yeah, we talked about that. Um, we, that came into my life. That was mm. huge because that was a lot of seeing where stuff comes from generationally. Yeah. I started going to ACA meetings for a while cause I thought that was where my, you know, like that I was just track. I was trying to figure out my anxiety. That's all I was doing. I was yeah. just tracking it. How would you, why would, do, why is this coming into my life? So it, it would deconstruction. That's what it is for me. It's like, okay, this thing is is hurting my life and so you just keep pulling on it and figuring out why you believe it so and a lot of a lot of the root system for the the reasons why i hate myself Mm -hmm. because that's really what all of this is is all of us just hate are taught in different ways to hate yourself yeah all of that really comes from the root system of um uh violent atonement which is what christianity teaches in that we're all fallen and yeah. to be able to be saved, you need someone to die for you. Yeah. And that's why I'm, I have a problem with Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have a problem with the historical Jesus. And I actually really enjoy most of what he says in the gospels. Like, I, don't yeah, sure. ha- I don't have a problem with that. I have a problem with wh- where we've gotten to with Jesus. Totally. And um, most of the bad theology that I found within myself had roots in this violent atonement. Mm. And so I actually am fine with a lot of the Christianity that has is nonviolent. Sure. Um, Franciscan yeah, theology totally. is amazing. I love 
Richard Rohr, you oh, know, yeah. like he was huge in my, my, um, I almost like wanted, like, especially cause he's all about contemplation and action. Sure. You know what I mean? And yeah. so he's all about literal meditation and yeah. then going out and doing something. And I'm like, that's all I want to do with my life. Like if that is what, if that's what Christianity had been, I would still be in it. Sure. Um, but they also, to do that, to get there, the Christianity I was taught was you had to hate yourself first. Yeah. So what I was doing every day was waking up and feeling like, oh, I have to sacrifice. I have to shave off pieces of myself and able to be a part of this world. Wow. I And it's one of the reasons why I don't know if I did it. Well, I obviously didn't do it consciously. So subconsciously, I've always picked jobs where I'm caregiving. I'm always mm. giving pieces. I'm always outputting, outputting, outputting. I think partially because of this. And yeah. I think it has to do with being female and all that kind sure. of crap that you get when you're raised that way. Um, both in Christianity and just regular society. Yeah. Um, and so that's where I taught, was taught my value was, was giving myself away. And so it's part of why I'm stepping away from from massage therapy, even though I love it so much. Mm. It's like, okay, can I, like, what am I if I don't take care of people? What yeah. if, what am I if I'm not caregiving something? Like what, like what is, is that where my value comes from? And that's interesting you say that because I was thinking too about so much of my value system that I, I grew up with because I don't know how much value was poured into my life growing up. Mm. But with the faith thing, that got really interesting because I thought, okay, so if God is so pissed off at me, the only way he can even tolerate me is through Jesus mm-hmm. because of what Jesus has done. Then like, not just Jesus, Jesus is dying. Yeah, Jesus, that's blood. true. His blood. He shed. can only tolerate you through a veil of Jesus's blood. Yeah, which is sounds creepier now it, than yeah. yeah it's very yeah. disorienting. But you have to say it different ways mm. because we've said it for so long. Yeah, we don't hear it anymore. Yeah, but that's right. literally what we're teaching people. Well, and then and then the value comes to like, so then God just puts up with me because he got yeah. his payment, or yeah. does he really enjoy me? Yes, you know what I mean. Legit. And that is like, well, yeah. then what's my relationship which with is, the big guy? Yeah. Like Jesus, which did is it why all. you spend your entire life proving that you're good, yeah. proving that you're proving everything's proving everything's striving, everything's getting up and shaving off pieces yeah. of yourself, so you can fit into whatever the authority figure above you says you need to look like. Yeah. And when you're a girl, it means that that means you have to be what your husband wants, mm-hmm. what your pastor wants, what your dad wants, your boss, but yeah. whoever, whoever. Yeah. The person above you says, God says you should look like, Yeah, that's what, that's what you're striving to be. And it was exhausting. It's and exhausting. I was so tired. Of, and that's what I was, that's where I ended up in Portland. Mm. I had spent the first 25 years of my life fucking trying to prove I was good enough mm. to have something that I would love and to have a life that I would like. And I couldn't find no matter what and you're like, I, I don't did, even like myself right now. I yeah. can't find it. Mm. And so I found myself important saying, fuck it. Yeah. Okay, then fine. I'm just going to be, you know, I'm just going to. And so I just went on autopilot and I just was on autopilot until I woke up until probably until um, that experience of of my rib cage opening. That was, you know, I was probably I could say just going on autopilot that whole time. And it's still hard not to keep your it's hard to keep yourself not going back into autopilot too once you reach a comfortable state. Has weed helped with your anxiety? Oh, God, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So no. Yeah. Because you were raised, I'm assuming like me, where it's like, do not. I mean, that is next level. Like, yes. yeah. If you're an alcoholic, well, that's like, maybe also, one thing. Also, like I said, I come from generations of addicts. 
Sure. So it's it's also prevalent in my family. So I stayed away from it. I actually fought. William was the one who finally talked me into it because he was like, would you just try an edible? Like, will we yeah. just, can you just see if it will help with your itching? Like that was uh. what it was about, you know, at the time. Um, and so, um, and that, like I said, I did edible cause I wouldn't even smoke it, Yeah, yeah <laughs> you know? Like, and so it's, it's that whole, yeah. So, um, so yeah, it was definitely, you know, everything that they teach you about weed that yeah. everyone has to shake off and everyone will think is ridiculous over the next however many years. Yeah. We'll look back at 200 years. Our, our great grandkids are going to be yeah. like, you know this stuff was illegal but like once people... again now i'm like okay i'm just giving myself another chemical to control the chemical of the chemicals in my brain mm. you know what i mean like that's pretty much how i look honestly people use freaking caffeine to yeah, control sure. their you know what i mean it's like totally. yeah how many people do you talk to that go yeah, i can't even think straight until i have my first cup yeah, of coffee and so it's hard for me i do know i do want to get away from literally like smoking it because sure. like yes there's n- there's nothing that makes smoke good for your lungs yeah sure so you know it's i'm not yeah. saying that that's that it's a completely healthy thing and sure. i'm not saying it's good for everybody yeah <laughs> Once that's again, true. you will never hear me say anything is good for everybody, everybody yeah. because it's just not true. And I've worked on too many people who it is good for and it's not good for. And, you know, some people it makes paranoid some, you know what I mean? Sure. But for me, for whatever reason, I, and it's very much the CBD. So I don't, yeah. I don't necessarily, I enjoy the THC, Yeah. but, um, and I have no problem doing it, but, um, the CBD is very helpful for, yeah. and I don't know if, once again, I don't know if it's my ADD. I've actually been thinking about maybe going in and getting, cause I've never been um actually properly diagnosed with add okay um my dad was and he went through all this stuff and because he was we figured out mine when i was a kid oh wow and so that's the last so um i was actually thinking about it for my therapy but just so people know this hasn't been all breath work and sitting by myself meditation kind of stuff like i did the aca stuff um that went into 2020 until covid obviously stopped the meetings um and aca is like uh, the, like we talked, the adult children of alcoholics, mm-hmm. like, man, that is really, I think most people go like, yeah, I probably got some issues. My dad was an alcoholic, but it's like, no, you need to know there's, I think you're raised a certain way. Addicts so raise kids a certain many way. Many people yeah. have alcoholism in their family totally because of the generations of abuse. Yeah. And it's not, and as they, they'll say, if you look into ACA, it's not, it's, it started out, it, it was started by kids like literal teenagers who are going to AA. Um, so that's where it started, but they, what they actually say is it's not just about having like, um, alcohol abuse in your background, any kind of, um, uh, extremely disruptive family, like dynamics, all of that can be considered something that you can recover from, Uh but basically you're just taught bad improper dynamics as a household you weren't given what you needed by your adult for whatever reason sure and and so you don't see the world like you're not you have holes in how in in how you approach the world and it's it's very helpful it's still stuff that i go back to it's still stuff that's mixed into it well even Um, like our, our marriage counselor had said that too like it's if you're an alcoholic like you addicts raise they think a certain way they're looking for mm -hmm. that next hit and that's Mm -hmm. how you by proxy raise your kids Mm -hmm. to think because that's Mm -hmm. and so a lot of issues with with these you know these children that have now grown up to be adults and they have alcoholism in their family like they see the world differently because they were raised through an addict's mindset oh for sure well, you spend your time people pleasing in different ways, mm. and and they and one of the things that they cover in ACA is um, there are a lot of patterns of different children 
taking different roles. Hmm. And so it's like usually the oldest child is the, um, the extra parent. Yeah. And then, you know, me being quiet and shy, like I am, I was the invisible child. Hmm. So it's like my reaction to it is to pull back and be as invisible as possible when all the chaos is going on. It's like Hmm. how it's how, you know, it's how do you react to certain things and everybody's personality is going to react in a different way. But there are patterns that you can see in how these households work and and, in this dysfunctional Hmm. way that we do things. And that's what I do love about us as humans is we take the time to watch our own patterns and at least we have been in the last however many years getting better um yeah we're getting like i said your kids are gonna be fine because we're getting better at it how how would you describe like so your faith stuff kind of fell apart Mm -hmm. your job stuff's changing Mm -hmm. oh i know the other thing i was gonna do yeah go for it um so there's the aca and then all the covid stuff happened Mm. and so that stopped and so um Obviously, my anxiety wasn't getting any better because we were dealing with all, sure. you know, and Am it was I chaos because yeah. I work in medical. And so we were just trying to figure out how to stay open. Yeah. We were wearing these masks. And like I said, I've, I have jaw issues. I have, I got an injury on the back of my head when I was a kid. Uh-huh. Um, and I have TMJ stuff. I have, you know, all the rib cage stuff. Sure. So having something over my mouth. Yeah. Also, while I was trying to figure out how to like say all this stuff that yeah. I've never said before and verbalize all this stuff, like it was just really hard. Mm. And I was feel like I was bare. I've been barely f- learning how to function the last couple of years. Um, anyways, my boss um, recommended EMDR therapy. Huh. So it's, I've never heard of this. Oh no, I'm not gonna be able to remember. Um, eye movement desensitization. I can never remember what the R stands for. EMDR therapy. Eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. There you go, reprocessing. Thank you. Thanks, Wikipedia. Um, and it is, uh, it's great. I Mm. think if you are nonverbal or if you feel like you are identifying with me at all, yeah, look into it. Yeah, (laughs) because you literally don't have to talk. Like it's not talk therapy. Yeah, (laughs) I've heard of this. It's so much better. So there's a couple different ways to do it, and it's about. It's, it's for trauma specifically okay. because what happens is like your brain doesn't know how to talk to itself. Hmm. Like, and so uh, w- um, your eyes move back and forth in REM sleep. And okay. part of the theory of sleeping is that that's where we process a lot of our trauma. And so as the eyes are moving back and forth, you're actually like reconnecting the two halves of your brain. Oh, wow. And so it's about literally I'm in, 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 in my therapy and I'm watching a light bar go back and forth, Hmm. like while I'm processing things and And some people, they do it with sound and you, they'll have like a sound go back and forth in their ear. And, Hmm. um, so you can do it. And I think some therapists even just use like their finger. Yeah. Um, so it's all, it's just about getting the two halves of your brain to connect in a different way while you're trying to process this trauma. Interesting. So it's, it's specific. You have to be able to actually like get into your trauma and access it. Um, my therapist loves, she said before that she likes working with me because I am so good at getting into my body so quickly. Huh. And one of the reasons why I, cool what I like about it is it, it is cause it, you, she'll say, where do you feel it in your body? Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, we're going to sit with this emotion. We're going to feel this in our body and we're going to sit here and we're going to watch the light go back and forth. Wow. And then just whatever comes up is what we deal with. And, and it can be little, it can be great. It can be, so I've been surprised sometimes I've thought that yeah. some sessions were going to be super intense and it was a way lighter than 
than I thought it was going to be. Um, but so that, back to that unexpected, you yeah, never know how it's going to That has you. been the most helpful thing for my anxiety Really, because it's, you're literally getting into your fight and flight response and you're able to rework these memories that you've been reacting out of since you were a child yeah. where I'm like, I'm safe now. I'm an adult. Yeah. I'm capable. I can handle these situations, but my body doesn't know how to be here. Like, mm. and a lot of times it's, it's so aggravating, you know, cause yeah. it's like, cause you feel like. You know, it, and it's, yeah. So, what so we, the EMDR therapy has been very helpful as well. And I'll probably awesome. try to find a therapist down in Reno. We've already talked about it. So, oh, that's awesome. So I don't know either that I know if I need something, you know, yeah. I don't know what the next season looks like. I know probably yoga too. Cause yoga and body sure. movement is yoga is a really amazing way to kind of get in there too. If you need a gateway mm. <laughs> to, to get in with your body. Cause yoga's um, I heard someone, I can't remember who I heard explain it this way, but um, she was talking about how yoga is all about putting your body in an uncomfortable position and making it deal with it. Oh, interesting. Because that's what we'd have to do out the yeah. every day is put ourselves in comfortable positions yep. and then breathe. <laughs> interesting and so that's what you're literally like you're doing is you're going there and like okay i'm gonna be here and we're gonna stay here yeah and then i'm gonna know that i can stay here and so you're teaching yourself little by little okay i can do that like i can do this i can be here in this discomfort yeah. and be okay and so you can do it you can get to know your body in a lot of different ways some like just go to massage like if you don't feel like mm. you have any connection to your body go to your massage don't talk because mm. most people who don't want to be with their body will talk the entire massage yeah. it's me and um well yes and no yeah. like some people process better you sure. know and some people don't i have a lot of people who will talk half the massage and be quiet for the last half mm. you know but just go and just feel it go for yeah. a float session like that we are living in the time frame of of youtube where you can just go and find some cool yeah, stuff. Find yeah. Find some breathing exercises and stuff like that. Um, because of my ADD, I actually do a lot more breathing exercises mm. than I do meditation because it's easier to have somebody actually talking me through and walking me through something. Mm. If you just sit me in silence, I'm going to go off the end. So yeah. it's like, I always encourage people like, just try the thing. Yeah. You know, if you don't like massage, go get acupuncture. Like it, it don't just you take know, a step. Right? Yeah. Like, like yeah. whatever you're interested in and don't just pick something, hmm. sit and talk to your body first, take a walk, yeah. see what it has to say first. Like yeah, I was telling you before we turned on the mics, like one of my favorite things now is I'll just go sit in the bath and pitch black for an hour. Baths are the, the best. best. They're the best. And the I, best. here I am a 38 year old, you know, white dude in no, Tacoma they are the taking best. baths Yeah, and I'll leave my phone and my, yeah. I'll take off my Apple watch and tell Water my wife to come very get me. regenerative. Like I, you know, we, I, I think it's, it's huge, Yeah, you know, and, and just to be with your thoughts that yeah, long. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's amazing. Like even the float session, mm. I had a really weird experience of like an old, something I hadn't thought of in 35 years, like one experience. And it just like a movie playing in my head. And mm. I, it was just really crazy when you're with yourself, just letting your mind wander in complete silence. There's no color that you're not looking at the walls you're, you're literally in darkness alone mm -hmm. it's amazing what your mind brings back you mm -hmm. know brings mm -hmm. back to memory yeah what would um last question here what would what would what would today's stephanie say to portland christian alcoholic stephanie oh gosh um oh could i write a whole letter to her hmm. there's so many things i'd like to tell her <laughs> <laughs> um 
uh, probably just trust yourself. Hmm. You know, I think that's a huge thing that that's been hardest for me is um, having a non-dominant personality Hmm. and not having a personality where I necessarily think I know all the things. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not that person who has the answers. Um, I always took everybody, I believed everyone else before I believed myself. Mm. And so learning how to trust my instincts again. Yeah. And, you know, because another thing Christianity really taught me was to be scared of the world. Mm. And like that, you know, somehow I would miss something. Yeah. I don't even know what I was supposed to be scared of, but I was supposed to be scared of something and Mm. knowing like, oh no, like you have good instincts. Like, you know what bullshit, you know yeah, what's bullshit. Like, trust yourself. You, yeah, it's like, it's that kind of stuff. And and once again, that's part of listening to your body. Mm. There are so many times my body told me to get away or get out and, you know, all this kind of stuff and you talk yourself out of it. Mm. And, uh, you know, and, and so, yeah, just trust it. Just trust yourself. Like, like you, you like, but I don't, even then, I don't know if I would have been able to hear it. Like, you know, because when you're in that state, you don't, that's the last thing you do is trust yourself. Yeah. You feel so untrustworthy. Yeah. And so just taking that first step and not, and, and getting to that point, um, Mm. where you can, you can look at yourself in the mirror and say, I love you and actually believe it, you know, and believe that you're worthy of love and stuff like that. So, that's um, so good. Yeah. But, but. It, it, the beautiful thing is I, I do believe that more now mm. and I believe that for other people yeah. who might be in the same position. Mm. It's like, no, I like you got this. Yeah. Like you don't think you got this, but you've got it, yeah. but you've got this way yeah. more than you think you do because mm. people really have such a well of, of strength in them that most, and, and I say this as someone who's worked on people, yeah, <laughs> yeah. like, like I have been at, through a pandemic, I was working on people yep. who were taking care of other people, yeah. <laughs> like who were finding time to care for themselves at the same time. Mm. Like the more you delve into humanity and the more you give other people and yourself a chance, mm-hmm. the more God you will find. Wow. You know, because that is where he resides, she, it, um, you know, it, it is, that is the God to me is Mm. the, is the finding that in other people and, and finding that, that space of the people around you who do believe that too. Mm. Like that's where you should keep yourself. So that's so good. Thanks for joining me today. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. I'm going to miss you guys. Well. Reno has great camping, so bring the kids. <laughs> it's the, the yeah, the redeeming we'll, quality. We'll, we'll meet you out in the national parks. Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah, no, I legit we should. Yeah. I think that we should do that. I look forward to that. Okay, cool. Thanks for joining us today. We'll do it again next week. Uh, have a great Thanksgiving, everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Heath in Pursuit podcast. We look forward to being back with you next week. For more information on the various works of Heath Hollandsby please visit heathinpursuit.com.